A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. Have you met my mom? If you have, you've likely heard her call you a honey bunch or tell you that your hair is beautiful or compliment your name or your shirt or your shoes or your vehicle. Maybe you've had the opportunity to experience her cool handshake with three various grips that ends with her holding your hand between the two of hers as she looks up at you with a huge smile and it feels like she'll never let go and you kind of don't want her to. But let me back up a bit. My mom grew up as a pastor's daughter in the 1940s and 50s. I didn't spend a great deal of time with her dad. He passed away when I was still a toddler. But I knew him. I heard so many things about Bernard Rum. He immigrated from Norway, and he came to preach the gospel. He traveled through the Midwest, sharing that forgiveness of sins is possible because of Jesus' death on the cross for each one of us. He preached and people were drawn to him and to the message of grace and freedom. It was at one of these tent meetings where he met my grandma that we call Mormor, which means mother's mother in Norwegian. She was 12 years his younger and shared his desire to see people find forgiveness and freedom. They married and settled in Madison, Wisconsin, where he pastored a church for 33 years. I heard stories about them opening up their home to anyone and everyone who would walk by. People would ask for money, and my grandpa would open his wallet. People would ask for food, and my mormor would open her kitchen. My mom had two older brothers, bringing their immediate family total to five. But as my mom shared, there was rarely a time when it was just them in their home. Uncle Toby lived with them for a while, and so did my great-grandma Anderson. I loved her so much. She died when I was five, but I can still remember coming to my mormor's house and running up the stairs to see great-grandma Anderson sitting in a rocking chair with a Bible next to her on a table with a lamp. She was a strong woman who had come to the United States from Norway on her own as a teenager. She found work as a domestic, doing laundry and baking. She eventually met and married my great-grandpa, and then together they raised my mom's mom and her brothers as well. Whenever I'd see my great-grandma Anderson, she'd ask me to come closer so she could give me a hug. She's this tiny little woman. And then she'd ask me to sing her favorite song. Oh, Kirsten, please sing. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. I used to think this was an old, old hymn, but it actually was a contemporary song in my great-grandma's day, written by John W. Peterson for a Bible conference in Pennsylvania. And she loved it. And I did, too, because when I sang it as a five-year-old, I felt so fancy. I remember the line, And it's because of that wonderful day when at the cross I believed riches eternal and blessings supernal from his precious hand I received. I knew all the words of every verse, and they'd trip off my tongue as though I also knew what they meant, but I didn't. But she sure did. And this was my mother's heritage, singing songs, loving the word, and watching her parents love people well. Growing up in a parsonage, she'd say, was like living in a fishbowl. 
This was sometimes good and sometimes not so much. She said she wouldn't have traded it for the world, for she adored her daddy, and she really loved and admired her mom, too. What was woven into the fabric of her life was to give to others and to always make them feel as though they were more important than she was. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. My mom watched her mom and dad do this, and she wanted to model it herself. Although often she'd say she didn't think she was doing it as well as her mom did. My mom never talked to strangers because she'd always introduce herself. Greta did this once as a young girl, too. We were at Burger King, and I was sitting with some friends talking, and I watched her walk into the bathroom. She was maybe four or five, and I was waiting for her to come out. And I looked the other way for a minute, and when I looked back, she was talking to this big, burly guy who had just come in on his bike. He had really long hair, and he had, was wearing leather, and he did seem so friendly, but Greta was standing there talking to her. To him. And so I went up and I grabbed her hand and I'm like, Greta. And I walked her back. I smiled at the man and I walked her back to our table. I'm like, honey, you cannot talk to strangers. She said, he is not a stranger. I asked him and his name was Bob. But anyway, so she maybe got that from my mom. My mom talked to everyone. It used to drive me nuts. I remember going with my mom and I'd say, mom, how about today we don't start any conversations with people we don't know? And if I'm to be totally honest, it still kind of bugs me, but this is what I do know. It doesn't seem to bother the strangers. My mom also used to carry around bouncy rubber balls in her purse to hand to children she'd see at stores or restaurants or gas stations or wherever. She'd look for ways to connect with people, all the people. <laughs> oh, she'd start, you have the most beautiful smile. Or, oh, they are so lucky to have you working here. You do such a good job. She also had two life sayings that she passed on to her kids. We couldn't leave the house without hearing both of them. The first, remember who you are and whose you are. Because she wanted us to remember we didn't live our life in a vacuum. We grew up in a smaller suburb of the Twin Cities in Minnesota where my dad worked as a family doctor. He had delivered most of our friends and treated most of their family. So who we were was a part of who they were <laughs> as our parents, and they wanted us to show a consistent life of Christian character, and I mostly wanted to, too. Whose we were, on the other hand, was not related to them, but reflected the fact that we were God's children. He was our Heavenly Father. She wanted us to have that in the forefront of our mind as well. We belong to Him. And then right after that first saying, she'd follow up with her second, and she'd yell out, and have more fun than anybody. <laughs> and then we promised her we would. I remember shortly after we moved into our family's home, which is situated on a lake, my mom could hardly wait to invite Marge Waddell to come and visit. We didn't know Marge, but she immediately became an aunt to us. You see, when my mom wanted someone to feel like family, she'd give them a family title. So we had an Auntie Marge and an Uncle Tom. I remember coming back to visit one Thanksgiving and asking if we could please have dinner with just her family instead of with us and her collection of extra relatives. Apparently, the answer to that question was no. But as I reflect on how she grew up, I can see why now. Back to Auntie Marge, who ended up having a huge impact on my life, which I'll talk about more maybe a different day. Marge had been a, my mom's counselor at camp when she was a young teenager. My mom hadn't seen her for years, but when my mom at 30 moved into her current home on the lake, 
She wanted to call her up and invite her to visit because my mom remembered Marge saying how much she loved being near water. She said she found it relaxing and restful and a place where she really could get in touch with God and who he was. And so Auntie Marge became a regular guest in her home. I remember going shopping with my mom, which she loved doing. She would never buy anything for herself, which drove me nuts. This would look good on you, she would say to me. Or she'd say that to my sisters. Or she'd say that when she was shopping with her friends. She just loved being out and about. I remembered a time about 20 years ago, we went shopping together. And we were waiting in line to pay for some socks or something. I don't really remember what. But there was a lady in line in front of us. And she had a few small children that were starting to get a little bit antsy. So, of course, my mom was trying to occupy them so the woman could check out. So as she's doing this, as she's leaving, my mom said to her, Your children are just wonderful. And then she said, Oh, and I love your purse. This woman looked at my mom's coach purse and said, Oh, Mine isn't real like yours. It's just a knockoff. Without missing a beat, my mom took the signature coach tag off of her own purse and put it on the other woman's. Now it is, she said, as she winked at her and then gave all her kids Super Bowls. The lady hugged my mom and actually had tears in her eyes. And I was thinking, oh man, she's coming to our house for Thanksgiving. No, I, I did think that was precious. Um, someone told me once, that they thought my mom was an embodiment of the golden rule, which is found in Matthew seven twelve, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And maybe so. But honestly, I think my mom mostly liked living out the do unto others and didn't think so much about what others would do unto her. I see this part of my mom's personality today. I drove over to my parents' house this morning so I could pick my mom up and bring her to her first day visit at the Salvation Army Adult Center. My siblings were praying, my friends were praying, my dad was praying, and God was answering. I walked in the back door of my house and walked into the kitchen, and my mom offered me a cup of coffee. I picked my favorite mug, which has a blue and yellow design on it, just for the record, and I sat down with her across the kitchen table. She told me my hair was beautiful and said that I know how to do it exactly right. She also said she loved my shoes, and then she asked me if they were comfortable. I told her they were amazing, and she said, I can tell because they look amazing, and she offered me a cup of coffee. She asked me to tell her about my necklaces. I showed her the one, and I said, this is a crown because my last name is King now. Oh, she thought that sounded lovely. I showed her the other one and said, this is a denarius. This was a gift from dad, I told her, when I graduated from seminary. She said, you did? Wow. I told her the third necklace. <laughs> I only had three, just in case you're starting to wonder how long this part goes on. I showed her the third necklace and said, this is made out of blue glass and it has a fish symbol on it, which is a symbol that a person wears if they're a Christian. She said, it is phenomenal. And she offered me a cup of coffee. I asked if she wanted to run some errands with me for a little bit. I told her I was going to go to Walgreens and then to Salvation Army. She said, ooh, yes. She got up to get her purse. I collected mine and collected myself and felt the presence of God walking beside me through the answered prayers of friends and family.
We walked out of the house toward my two-door white 2012 Fiat. She told me it was the cutest vehicle she had ever seen. My mom always notices cars. She always calls them vehicles. And she used to always comment on the fact that she thought Peterbilt trucks had great lines. Anyway, we got into my cutest vehicle ever and drove to Walgreens. The whole way there, my mom was reaching over, patting my arm, complimenting me on my bracelet, telling me it was perfect. I told her I bought it with money she gave me for my birthday one year. She said, well, it's beautiful. And then she'd pat my arm again and say, so are you. While we stood in line at Walgreens, she told the young woman behind me that she had a beautiful smile. As I paid for my things, she told the clerk that she had beautiful hair. As we walked to the car, she told me that the day was gorgeous and that I had the cutest vehicle she had ever seen. We drove the few blocks from Walgreens to the Salvation Army building. As we walked to the door, my mom said the flowers were just beautiful. As we entered the building, my mom was greeted by a staff member who said, Hi, Margaret. She greeted him with her cool handshake, and he smiled a little bigger. Another worker came over and said, You must be Margaret. And she introduced herself. And my mom said, You have a lovely name. And the woman smiled a little broader and said, Thank you. The woman that I had spoken with a few times on the phone and, and met with just the week earlier saw my mom and said, Well, hello, Margaret. Would you like a cup of coffee? And my mom said, Sure. You are with the program. I'm glad you're here. I heard this. And I knew my prayers for this day were answered. I knew, too, I could trust the Lord to continue to watch over my mom as I left. As I turned to leave, I heard one of the workers say, Wait, wait, wait! And though I was trying to leave before the tears came, I looked back. I saw her hurrying toward me with one outstretched arm, and I figured she wanted to give me a hug because she saw I was feeling so emotional. I took a deep breath and turned to hug this woman. And as I did so, I connected eyes with my mom one more time. She was waving her arms and had this big smile. And I thought, oh, mama, remember who you are and whose you are and have more fun than anyone. I also realized at this moment <laughs> that this woman who had been yelling, wait, 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 with an outstretched arm wasn't trying to hug me at all. She was just trying to reach past me to use her badge to open the door so I wouldn't set off an alarm. I laughed and I cried. And after calling my dad and texting my siblings about how great the morning went, I rejoiced. And then I agreed with my brother that Thursdays at the Salvation Army just got a lot brighter.